97% of salespeople are missing this one thing that if they only knew it would allow them to close 75% more sales. It has nothing to do with charisma, the gift of gab, or whatever else you've been told. Because if you're trying to convince your customer, that means they don't want to buy, which means you've already lost the sale. What sales professionals do is sell customers exactly what they want to buy. They work with the customer to uncover their current challenges, the consequences of those challenges, and how that's impacting them. They then help the prospect describe the ideal solution to their problems, what that looks like, and how that perfect outcome will impact them. And once they can picture that perfect outcome, price is irrelevant. That's right. Sales professionals sell customers exactly what they want to buy because it's easier dealing with a happy customer than dealing with a customer who felt sold. So here's the deal. I explain everything in my live two-day sales workshop, June 14th and 15th in my office. Go to closemoresales.com workshop and you'll be able to close more sales as soon as you get back. Hey, everybody. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Real Estate Disruptors. Today, we've got Mohammed Asad with Mo Flips. And he flew in from Midland, Texas to talk about going from $10 an hour to $5 million in 2021. Remarkable leap. If this is your first time tuning in, I'm Steve Trang, sales trainer. And every month, we help hundreds of people buy more houses at deeper margins. If you want more info about that, DM me the word sales on Instagram. And I am on a mission to create 100 millionaires. The information on this podcast alone really is enough for, help for you to become a millionaire in the next five to seven years. If you will take consistent action, I promise you will become one. The show is brought to you by our company, Investor Lift. Get access to over 2 million cash buyers across the country. Go to InvestorLift.com and put in disruptors to get 10% off. And if you get value out of the show, please tag your friend below. Share this episode right now. That way we can all grow together. And the show is brought to you live every Wednesday at 2 o'clock Arizona time. We are hiring. Please, we're looking for good people. Uh, if you know anyone that needs a job, have them over. Uh, send them over to our link. And we do have our Discord that's up and running. We're doing live. AMAs in there. So if you want to join us on the live AMAs, check out our Discord. This is a live show, so please ask your questions for Mo to answer. You ready? I'm super ready. All How are right. you doing, Steve? I'm doing great. Doing great. Thanks so for first, having me. It's awesome to have you here. Appreciate it, man. Uh, so the first question is, what got you into real estate? Man, um, there's multiple reasons why I got into real estate, but the, the main thing is... Um, I, I was I was born and raised in Libya, which is in North Africa, and um, my dad pretty much owned real estate, and uh, he's always bought real estate and held real estate. So that was the first time I kind of got exposed to real estate. Growing up, he had commercial properties, he had an apartment complex, so I kind of grew up seeing all that. But it didn't. What he never talked to me about it. He never told me he'd get into real estate. It just it was in our life, and I saw it but I didn't get into real estate until December, 2019 till a friend told me, Hey dude, there's this thing called wholesaling. And then I looked it up on YouTube and you popped up and a lot of other guys popped up. So 2019. Yeah, man. All right. So, uh, growing up, you saw your dad in real estate. Yes. Uh, when did you guys, when did you guys come to the States? So, um, came to the States in 2007 when I was in middle school. Okay. So, A, your English is pretty good. Yeah. So, were you guys speaking English back <laughs> no, there? No, not at all, man. Um, so, didn't speak any English. Uh, came and he literally dropped me off in a middle school that's public. He's like, no, we're not taking you to private school. We're going to take you to public school because you got to meet the people. Because private school is always like people that are immigrants, people that are not from here. So, he's like, no, you got 
you know, meet people from here so that way your English gets better. He literally dropped me off, ESL class, all that good stuff. In Texas? In Texas. It How'd was in the, wood, in the Woodlands, Texas, which is like north of uh, Houston. It was crazy, man. I was the shortest kid in class. Uh, everybody's big here. Um, yeah. uh, you know, didn't speak any English, um, you know. I kind of grew up being always the new kid in school, so I kind of got used to it over the years. But it, it was awesome. The Woodlands was a really nice place. It's, um, you know, right now it's back in the days it was very le- low population, but now it's, there's a lot of people living there. But I loved living there. I would love, I'll live there again if I had the chance to. So what, um, and I, I got a chance to visit the Woodlands when we were, uh, we did Whole Scaling Live in, I want to say in 2019. I want to say that's when it was. Nice. Um, what, uh, I guess, is your dad in Texas or your dad still back in Libya? My dad actually right now uh, is in Libya. Okay. So he, um, he visits, right? He visits a lot, but he does business in Dubai. He's in the oil and gas industry. And he used to work for ExxonMobil at that time. That's why we lived in the Woodlands because their headquarters was there. Okay, so he didn't move here and yep. he moved back. Yeah, so, so what happened to all his real estate? Um, Still there till still today. There. Yeah, it's okay. the real estate still there. The commercial property is still rented out. The, the apartments are still rented out. It's still there. So what was the career path for you if he wasn't talking to you about real estate? So um, I, my dad has always started businesses on the side, but he also believed that you should always have, um, you know, a salary or like a W-2 income. And so, and then you can start business on the side. So that was his mindset. So growing up, seeing him in oil and gas, he wasn't an engineer, by the way. He used to, uh, he used to be the president of ExxonMobil in Libya. So uh, he was on the business side. Uh, but he, seeing, you know, I saw he had money. So I was like, I need to get into this industry so I can make money like my pops. So that's how I got into it. So he and was it, rich dad and poor dad. He was doing the, both. the W-2, I, making cash, or I mean, maybe not W-2 in Libya, but he was getting paid a job yeah. with salary. Yeah. And he was doing the real estate thing on the side. Exactly. And, um, you know, he, a lot of the real estate that he has was actually inherited and some of it, uh, he bought, but, um, you know, like he, there's a story where he, he, he went to school in Italy. He did a master's in Italy and, um, he was buying like satellite parts. He would, uh, back when satellites were really expensive and he would send them back to Libya and sell them back and forth. And then he saved up 40,000 and Libyan is probably like, uh, at that time, it was like three times that because the currency was much better than the U.S. dollar, probably $120,000 at that time. And he bought a piece of land, and this land now is worth like probably a million plus. All right. So have you asked him? Because, you know, you said like the point is to go to get a regular job and then do this as a side hustle. But have you asked him why he didn't talk to you about real estate? Um, no, I've never asked him that question. All right. Uh, that, that's a good question, but I will for sure ask him. But um, yeah, he's always talked to me about like starting businesses, never real estate, but just starting the businesses on the side. Like recently he just sent me a, 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 an invoice. Um, he's like, oh, I have a guy in Morocco that wants 441 laptops. Literally, like this was like yesterday. He's like, yeah. hey, can you find some laptops so we can ship 441 <laughs> laptops? So my dad always comes up with ideas like this, just randomly picks up the phone, tells me, hey, let's make money off so of this a little deal. ADD too, probably. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, I think that's awesome, right? And I, and I kind of feel that like the, I've never said like, I love real estate. I just, I'm an entrepreneur. Just real estate just seemed to be the one that was the most attractive, at least had the lowest barrier to entry. 100%. So, all right. You're, you said 2017, 2019, someone handed you a book. So, uh, 
2017 is when I graduated from college. 2019, December, is when I got laid off from the oil company I was working at at that time. We had a buyout. Nobody handed me a book. Somebody just told me about wholesaling, and I just looked it up. All right. So you graduated with a degree. Mm -hmm. You did what you're supposed to do. I did. But you were making 10 bucks an hour. So um, graduated in May 2017, right? And then uh, at that time, I graduated petroleum engineering. The oil industry was horrible the day I graduated. The oil, the, I think the price was like 20, 30 bucks uh, at that time um, a barrel. And there was no jobs. The industry was horrible, right? So I worked, uh, as soon as I graduated, couldn't find a job. I worked as a valet driver. I had to make money, dude. I had to pay the bills. So um, worked as a valet driver at a, an apartment complex, like a luxury apartment complex, just parking cars, you know, Lambos, Ferraris, all that stuff. And um, was paying paid $10 an hour plus tips. Mm -hmm. um, at that time, I didn't work in the oil industry because the economy hasn't picked up. And then in uh, late, late 2017, the economy picked up. I went to a job fair and that's when I picked up my first oil and gas engineer job where, you know, at that time, you know, it was a lot of money, but, um, yeah. Before you go there, I have a selfish question. Tell me. So I always wonder with, you know, the valet drivers, right? Like you're driving the nicest cars. Like you don't, no one valets like the Toyota Corolla. Nothing against Toyota Corollas. I'm just saying like no one valets like I Toyota. I Toyota Corollas. Right? <laughs> so does that motivate the valet drivers or is that like demoralizing or like they just don't care? Um, dude, for me, um, it was, it was tough. It was tough, right? Because you're graduating from college, right? Mm -hmm. You have this image. You're like, I'm going to graduate. I'm going to get this job. And then like, you know, the industry is not well. So for me, it was more negative than positive personally. I'm sure for other guys. So it was a big self-image drop. 100%. It, it's very humbling. Uh, it, yeah. was, it was definitely humbling because I never imagined myself working $10 an hour when I was going to college, you know, paying all that tuition. Yeah. Well, usually when you go to engineering, it's not to make $10 an hour. And I can share it personally, right? Like I, when I graduated ASU in 2002, like it's right after 9-11 and the dot-com bust. Yeah. Like, oh, there are no jobs. I'm going to get my master's degree. Yeah. All right. So, all right. So you're making 10 bucks an hour and you eventually go to job fair and you get a job at, on an oil rig. Yes. So you get to finally use your degree. Finally. All right. So you went from $10 an hour to what? I went from $10 an hour at that time, I believe it was either 75,000 or $80,000 a year mm -hmm. plus bonus. Yeah. So it, I was, think, I was, it was like a six figure salary. And I kind of like, you know, kind of make this joke, but um, in Houston, it seems like everyone works in the oil industry. Everyone is in the oil field or oil, whatever, yeah. right? And, um, and, it, and I love, you know, the Houston people because that's actually our number one audience. If you look at uh, our uh, iTunes stats, our YouTube stats, our Spotify stats, Houston's actually our number one really? uh, audience. So I love, I love the Houston guys. I just always find it fascinating. It seems like everyone in Houston's in oil. It is. So, all right. So you, you work there, you're doing your, you're doing your nine to five thing and you're It totally... wasn't even nine to five. Okay. It was not. What was it, it was in the oil field. So it was 12 hour shifts. Okay. So it was two weeks on, one week off. Got so it. you either do day shift or night shift and they kind of swap you back and forth. But this whole time, you, were you thinking about real estate or you're just like, I'm, I'm an oil guy. I'm good to go. I, I'm using my degree and I'm happy. Um, at that time, I, um, my, my, I always use my, my dad as somebody like that's a role model for me. So, uh, he, he, he already 
started his entrepreneurial journey in oil and gas and he's doing well. Right? So at that time, I was like, I want to get field experience and I want to gain as much experience as I can in the field because the office jobs, you don't really gain the real experience of oil and gas. And I want to start my own business in oil and gas. Uh, real estate was not a thing for me at all at that time. Mm-hmm. So that was my thought of going to the focus. field. Yeah, that was okay. my focus. And then you got bought out. Or... Um, yeah, so worked for this company for a couple of years. And then uh, we got bought out by another company that just kind of took over and just they handpicked their guys and the people that they didn't want. They didn't even know most of us. They just threw us to the trash pretty much. Okay. So how was that experience? Um, it was insane, dude. I literally saw like 55-year-old men like, I'm not even joking, crying. Um, I was, I think at that time I was, I was in, uh, I was like 25. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was guys that had kids. There were guys that had, um, you know, kids that were, they had to pay their tuition. They had a mortgage. They had all that. They were telling me, dude, like they were, while they were uh, getting laid off, like they came and had a mass layoff. It was a room full of people like, hey guys, you know what's going on. Like they literally said it like that. You know what's going to happen. You already know. You've been hearing the rumors. Like we have to let you go. And there was a bunch of people crying, literally guys. And it was like the oil industry, there's not a whole lot of females. It's mainly guys because uh, I don't know why, but uh, that's the case. But and it, they were crying, oh, how am I going to pay my uh, kid's tuition? And it, that moment right there uh, when I saw that and I was like, oh, what, what if I'm 55 years old, right? And I'm in that position. I just don't want to be in this industry. I need to figure out either one, I need to start my own business or two, I need to get into an industry like tech or something like that. That's more stable. That's I'm not going to have this every five to 10 years where I get laid off. Yeah. Well, I think this is so critical because we see so many people like, I want a regular job. I want something that's safe. I want something that's stable. And I don't believe there's such a thing as any safe and stable job, even in tech, right? I, I don't believe that there's any stable job. And that's why like, I'm so passionate about entrepreneurship, right? So you got to witness it firsthand way closer than I have to witness it. You know, I, I knew a bunch of people like at, at, at Intel. I know a bunch of people got laid off, but they always laid off like the older people. They never laid off the cheap young people like us, right? So I never got to meet anyone or know anyone that got laid off. Um, so you got to see it firsthand. And I think that's so powerful to, to be able to witness firsthand because I think that's what people kind of need to see to take the leap of faith to chase entrepreneurship. 100%. I mean, that, that moment, it kind of made me realize that I'm just not that valuable. Like, I'm mm-hmm. not that valuable to them. So why should I continue on this path, try to, you know, keep going on this W-2 and work for somebody? I just felt like I wasn't valuable. So I was like, my next move, it's either it's going to be somewhere where I feel valuable. They can't let me go because mm-hmm. I'm just so important to the to the, to the company or whatever it is. And in that moment, I didn't think of real estate right away. It kind of, I got laid off. I've been working there for a couple of years. I'm pretty good. I don't, I'm not a spender. I don't spend a lot of money. So I had money saved up. So when I got into real estate after that, right, uh, I realized what wholesaling is. I had money, right? So I actually was marketing. Uh, I wasn't like trying to do it the cheap way. I actually sent out thousands of dollars of mailers and mm-hmm. I was able to get my deal, my first deal, probably start, started marketing in January, got my first deal in April. Yeah. So to me, that's pretty quick, three months. Cause I, I hear people say sometimes a year and I hear other guys that say, Hey, it took me like a month. I'm yeah. like, that's pretty cool, dude. But that doesn't happen very that's often. That's not normal. Yeah. Well, I think that is really key too, right? Like you're saying like you didn't feel valued cause we had Ryan Weimer, he was on the show, you know, and he was, in, he's in San Diego, he wholesales in, in Boise. But he said like, it wasn't even like getting laid off. It was like, I got Passover promotion again. 
You know, like I'm, I'm the one that's providing the most value to the company. I got passed over again because you're, you want to hook up your buddy. Exactly. Right? So you see like the value working at a corporation doesn't, doesn't necessarily make sense. So, all right. So you get laid off. This is the end of 2018 or beginning of 2019? Uh, end of 2019. It was like around my birthday. To end of 2019. Yeah. So 2020, you're all in, in wholesaling. Yeah. So who told it, you, who was the one that told you about wholesaling? Uh, it was one of my buddies. His name is Natter. Actually, he's one of my competitors. He's going to watch this. He's going to laugh. Yeah. He's one of my competitors in town, but, um, you should send him a wholesale check just for free, just to say, thank you, dude. I probably should. Right. Um, so he tells me about it. He tells me about like, Hey dude, like wholesaling. I'm like, and I had a friend, right? So I, I, there's another guy that really helped me a lot too. His name is Abraham and um, he's, he's in Austin, Texas. So he was already doing the business. So check this out. Uh, I already, um, let me think, cause now it feels like forever ago, but uh, I was going to my buddy Abraham in Austin. He was already flipping houses. He was working for his brother. His brother had a, you know, I think he had a fund for 40 mil or something like that. And they were buying crazy. Right. And um, they were big. They've been doing it for a long time. They kind of dominated Austin for a little bit. They even dominated Houston at one point. So he worked for his brother and they were flipping a bunch of houses. So I called him up. I was like, dude, I want to get into this industry. So like, just come stay with at my house and we'll go to seller appointments. So before I even started marketing, I already went to seller appointments. I already saw the Sandler method, how he kind of pitched that and how he's like a consultant. He's not, I already had an idea of how and I, I actually led some appointments. Like I actually went and uh, talked to the seller and he would let me lead the appointment. So before I even started spending money on marketing, I already knew what was going on. I already knew what was, what was up. It, I already knew the industry, kind of not in and out, but most more than the usual person when they first start. Yeah, and that kind of goes to your point because I think one of the things you wrote down was like, find real estate friends fast. Yes, right. you have to. I feel like a lot of guys, when they first start their entrepreneurial journey, they, um, they don't realize how important partnerships are. Mm -hmm. Like partnerships are very important. I feel like, you know, uh, a lot of guys, they try, they try to keep everything to themselves. I mean, would you rather be own a business that makes $100,000 a year and own 100% of it or own a business that's worth $100 million, mm -hmm. you know, it, that brings in $100 million a year and own 50% of it? It's just, it's a no brainer. So I feel like that's what stops a lot of guys from growing because they're, not okay with sharing the cake. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that's really what kind of, that's really, it's no secret. I feel like a lot of guys secret to success is partnerships. Right. And that's, has been my journey. Honestly, it's good partnerships. So you go to, you start connecting, you, you already got your friends in the space and you start marketing and right off the bat, you're spending money because mm -hmm. you have money saved up. Mm -hmm. So tell me about how you got your first deal. Oh man, it, it's a crazy one. Uh, so mailers, um, absentee, um, um, older lady. Um, so it was an inheritance as well. So it was like a bunch of like signs of distress all together. Uh, lived in Pennsylvania. Um, she uh, inherited a property from her sister who passed away. Um, the sister didn't have kids. So she just passed it on to her sister. She had her on her will. And literally called me and it was in the middle of nowhere. Uh, and if you guys Google this, it's in Pleasanton Farms. Like it's in the middle of nowhere. There's, I use, I don't wholesale there. It's just, there's no demand. There's not a population there. So uh, she calls me up and she's like, um, 
I want to sell. And I was like, where's your property? And she's like, it's uh, one through three Main Street. So I look it up and it's in the middle of nowhere. I was like, I don't want this. And she you mail to it. Uh, uh, yeah, so I, it's in the beginning when, you know, you don't know. You know what I'm saying? I'm sure you've done this thing. <laughs> so uh, I wasn't like targeting as as good as I am right now. I'm not yeah. good. I wasn't that good at data, right? So in the beginning, we just kind of like chose a zip code that was so big. This zip code included like an area in the city and also an area in the country. So it's like a, it's 79766 zip code. I still remember until now. But um She's like, I want to sell. It was a half a mobile home, half a house. They added on to the mobile home or they added on to the house. I don't know which one uh, is the case, but she's like, I, I don't want to deal with it. I don't want it. She hasn't seen the house in years. Her sister passed away, but she left the house and she was taking care of her in Pennsylvania and the house was in Odessa. And she's like, I don't want to deal with this property. So I was like, I can't, I can't buy this property. It's not good. I literally told her, she's like, just let's put a number on it and take it off my hands. So I, I threw a 500 bucks at her and uh, she countered at a thousand. And I, I, I was like, uh, my wife, uh, I, it's just, to me, it was crazy because like, I'd never done this before. And mm-hmm. I was told always do 70, uh, 65% of ARV minus repairs. But this deal just was not attractive for me. She wanted me to buy it and I really didn't want to buy it. So she counted at a thousand. I sent her. Um, it took forever to sign it because she didn't have a computer. I had to hire a mobile notary to go and get her to sign it, and then she can send it back to me because she didn't have a computer. Anyways, so sent it back, closed on it, obviously because I had the money, thousand bucks. The cost to clean up the property was twenty five hundred. It was more than the purchase price. Mm-hmm. Put it on the MLS, sold it to a guy for fifty five thousand dollars. 55,000. 55,000. It's pretty good and, for a steal. And $40,000 of it was cash and $15,000 of it was uh, financed. I, I, he still pays me till today. Yeah. That was a pretty good first deal. It was a pretty good first deal. Yeah. All right. So that was the first group. That was the first deal. First deal. How about uh, your next deal? Uh, my next deal was... Hang on before we do that. So you were a reluctant buyer. So we talked about Sam there. Yeah. All right. You're a reluctant buyer. Yeah. The very first house I bought, I was like, I don't want to buy your house. Like, no, you're buying, like, please buy my house. Like, I don't want to buy your house. And she, and they closed me just like this lady closed you. Yeah. And that's like our selling process now is intentionally designed for them to close us. But you were accidentally doing uh, the, the, the Sandler method. Exactly. I mean, the Sandler method is crazy. If anybody's not utilizing, they're definitely losing out on some deals. Yeah. Because, um, uh, the Sandler method is what I utilize. Yeah. It's no secret. Anybody can buy that and, you know, learn it. But, um, so, all right. So your second deal, my second deal, I, I, I didn't do as good as I wanted to. It was, a well, your expectations are all screwed up. Dude. I thought every deal was going to be 55,000 <laughs> after that. And it wasn't the case at all. It ruined me. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, after that, I, I, uh, in my head, I was like, man, I'm going to be a millionaire in like two months. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> and so uh, that was the expectation. It wasn't good at all. I, I didn't adjust my spendings. I still didn't spend a lot. I reinvested everything into marketing, so I didn't go crazy like some guys might. Uh, I know some guys went crazy yeah. on after the first deal. It was a divorce deal. Um, a lady guy was he he was cheating on her. She wanted a divorce. Um, called me up. I think I put it under contract. 
for 50,000. And uh, the buyer, um, he gave me an offer for 55. And I didn't even negotiate. I was like, deal, right away. And mm-hmm. I, I, I eat myself up about it till today because <laughs> I didn't negotiate. It was just exciting. I was like, oh, 5,000, great. Like it was, I, 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 in my head, I was like, I don't think this deal is that great. I don't know why this guy's buying it from me. The house looks like crap. Why is he buying it for 55 grand? I wouldn't even buy it for a thousand. Mm-hmm. So that was my kind of what I was thinking. That's why I let it go for so got cheap. Your, you got in your own way. Yeah. So now today that house, I could easily sell it for like 90 with yeah. like the network we have. So at this time, are you in Houston? This time I'm in all over West Texas. Okay. I'm in multiple markets, but I'm all over West Texas. My strategy is um, I stay away from big cities that because just my cost per lead, my cost per contract, my cost per close is just gonna go up. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, I try to stick to, um, it doesn't matter where it is, right? It could be anywhere in the country. I try to stick to somewhere where it has a minimum of 100,000 people population. It has to have, because there needs to be demand. If we wanna, our exit strategy is always to flip it. Our second right. plan is to wholesale it. So if, if my second plan doesn't work, that's not a market where I wanna be in. So it, has it needs to have 100,000 people living there. So that way, if, in case we wholesale it, we, can, we actually have demand for investors to buy. Got it. Okay. So first deal, Grand Slam. Second deal, okay. Okay. Um, any challenges in your first full year? Uh, challenges, man. I started um, right after COVID. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I noticed COVID affected it. Uh, they didn't want to let us in, in their houses a lot of times. Um, they, they wanted us to buy sight unseen. I wasn't experienced enough to do that at that moment. Like right now I could buy a house sight unseen mm-hmm. all day, every day with pictures. But as long as the numbers, there's enough margins. At that time I was not, I was never gonna do that. Right. I was like, I'm gonna go broke. I'm gonna lose money. I'm never doing that. I need to see everything. I need to walk it with a contractor, do all that stuff. So that was the biggest challenge just because people weren't, weren't, weren't letting us in. Mm-hmm. And the guys that were more experienced were still buying because you know they had experience and they they could buy it sight unseen. Yeah. Okay. So, um, COVID was a challenge. How did you fix it? Um, it, it I really didn't fix it. It just fixed itself. But, um, I mean, you didn't take the whole year off after that. I didn't. I never stopped marketing. Right. So, I, what was your guy, what was your workaround? How did you deal with that situation where people didn't want you in the house? Um, just tried to convince them. So like at times, at that time we were like, Oh, let's FaceTime. Like, uh, can we FaceTime? Uh, and a lot of them were older, to be honest with you, the best deals I ever get were from older folks. Of course. Um, so they, they were FaceTime. Sometimes they would leave the house mm-hmm. and then we would walk in while by ourselves. So that way they can keep space. Right. And we would walk in, I'll take pictures, boom, boom, boom. And then I'll get out. So that was like the biggest thing that I did, but a lot of them weren't comfortable with us just being in the house by ourselves and without them. So you just didn't close those deals? Um, we ended up closing, I, I feel like a lot of those deals later on when things kind of settled down. Okay, well this is Texas, so I kind of make the joke, right? Texas, Florida, and Arizona, that like COVID never really happened. <laughs> so like how many months was this a challenge for you? Uh, I would say once the summer hit, the summer, it just changed. A lot of them at that time were so thinking- from March to June, we're talking yes. like a momentary blip, but it was a, it was a challenge. Yes, okay. it, 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 I wouldn't say it was a whole year. Um, when the summer hit, a lot of people were starting to learn what COVID is and they were already talking about vaccine. It wasn't anytime soon, but 
hey, when, this, when it's warm outside, when it's hot outside, COVID disappears. You remember at that time mm-hmm. when they were saying that? Yeah, we didn't know what we were talking about. Yeah. So yeah. they're like, oh, it doesn't exist during the summer. So a lot of them were believing that. I, uh, and, and a lot of them were getting used to it. They're like, oh, we can wear the mask. They would ask me, hey, do you have COVID? Do you have COVID? And we'd say, no, I promise I don't. I promise. I, and then we'd go see it. Gotcha. Okay. So what other challenges did you face in your first full year? Um, first full year. So raising money. So I, I, I didn't have a lot of money. So, okay. Yeah. Um, Cause you're talking about your flipping mm-hmm. and there's not a lot of people that are just jump right into the flipping. Right? Yeah. Usually you wholesale and as you have more capital, you start flipping. Yeah. So, uh, partnerships, right. Partner up with the right person, partner mm-hmm. up with the right people. Um, I'm not by myself. I have, I have a partner, um, Craig and I have, uh, uh, Lee who's oversees all the construction. Mm-hmm. He's, he's, he's a master at just detail. He knows what looks good, what looks bad, and he knows how to do everything. So uh, partner up with those guys, and um, that brought in experience, that brought in capital, and I was what I was bringing into the table is deals. Gotcha. And then I was learning the process and helping manage the contractors along the way. Uh, so I was shadowing, I was learning, um, I was shadowing Lee for a long time. He, he, he knew how to do everything. Like he, yeah. he, nobody can do drywall like he can. And so le- learned the construction side very quickly, jumped the boats from wholesaling to flipping pretty fast. So for people that are watching and they want to get into flipping sooner, mm-hmm. partner up with someone that's actively flipping and bringing the deals. Yeah. Partner up with somebody that's not, um, that has the money, has the experience in construction, but not only that, but they are not interested in finding the deals. Mm-hmm. That's not of interest to them. So you, us as wholesalers, we're really good at finding the deals. So when you find somebody and you just fill a gap in what their long-term or short-term goal is, you just make it easier for them and you make it easier for yourself. So you provide value in both ways. So in this situation, they, they, you know, he wasn't interested in finding the deals. He didn't know how, he didn't want to learn. He already had a business on the side that was making him a lot of money. He just didn't have the time for it. So he's like, let's just partner up and put our heads together and let's make this thing happen. And it just exploded from there. Um, What kind of, uh, partnership that you guys create? So it's, um, it's kind of a JV, right? So like we would put both our LLCs in, uh, in, in the, we, both our LLCs would own it that, mm-hmm. and that's how it started. Right. And then, um, it's kind of changing. Like we have constant meetings. Um, like I would say every other month we we talk about things and the partnership just keeps changing, keeps growing. And we change things every time we meet. So um, that, that's another tip, honestly, for a lot of guys, because a, a lot of people, I feel like, partner up with people too quickly. And that's something I didn't do. Um, I, can't, I didn't get in bed with them. I didn't, like, uh, start an LLC and both our names on it. We're like, let's JV. Let's test the waters. Let's see how this is going. Maybe tomorrow we'll hate each other, you know? Mm-hmm. Let's, let's make sure that we actually get along. And um, I'm not trying to get everybody go partner up with whoever you find, the first person you find, you know, Make sure you, you know, you, you, you ask around about them and stuff like that. But once, once everything checks and the personalities kind of click and they're both hardworking and they both work well together, then just partner up. It, there's nothing wrong with partner up and splitting the cake. Gotcha. So you guys are 50-50? Yes. All right. So you find the deals, you guys close on it together, mm-hmm. and then he's doing all the work to um, flip it. So, so we, we have a full-time project manager. Mm-hmm. Um, and then our contractors do all the work. 
So gotcha. we kind of managed together. I kind of managed the uh, sales side and the VAs and marketing and all that stuff. And he helps manage with the construction side. So that way, and then uh, right now it's, we've been doing it for long enough to where we don't have to be there all the time. Um, I like to be there, cause, uh, but you know, we're not there all the time. So kind of, we have contractors have been working with for, for over a year. We trust them. They trust us. They know the payment process. Like, Hey, they reach out to our bookkeeper with an invoice. Bookkeeper kind of sends us, you know, a request to approve. And then they, and it just kind of automated a little bit, not hundred percent, but a little bit automated. Got it. So how are you guys flipping all over West Texas? So, um, Midland, Odessa. Um, I, I have, uh, th there's San Angelo, which is like, um, I would say like an hour, 30 minutes. Um, I'm, I'm all over West Texas and the flipping side, it's mainly Midland, Odessa. We got something going on in San Angelo. We got a multifamily right so now. So flipping is close to you. Yes. Flipping is close. Wholesale, to the rest of West Texas. Wholesale. Cause just by being active in the Midland, Odessa area, it brings in a lot of deals, right? There's a lot of uh, wholesalers that hear about us. They know about us. So they send deals. They're like, Hey, can you find us? Can you find us a buyer? Do you want a JV with us? So that kind of forced me into getting into other areas. Cause I, I I'm just not going to pass on money like that. So Got it. that, so it kind of expanded from there. Cause like Lubbock is like, like a couple hours North, uh, San Angelo is like a couple hours East. So it's like, and plus Midland, Odessa is not a big town. Right. Uh, it's, it's very small, right? It's not like here where I don't know what the population is here, but there it's like about five, six million here. It's like a, a little bit over a hundred thousand people. So, um, it just, we have to, in order to grow and do more volume, make more money, you have to touch on the other cities that are around you. Okay. So you are actively wholesaling. It's just not people sending you deals. You're actively wholesaling all over those other markets. Yes, 100%. Actively wholesaling, uh, San Angelo right now. Um, I have a flip with a friend there. Um, actively wholesaling all over. But I, we also cherry pick, right? I don't bring the bad deals to our flipping company. Mm -hmm. I don't bring in the okay deals to our flipping company. We have to get the juicy deals out. And the ones that just not juicy enough, we just wholesale. Um, my exit strategy is always to flip. That's always what I want to do. Um, but if it's not juicy enough, it's never going to go to flipping. Uh, how do you define juicy enough? How do I find juicy? How enough? do you define? Um, so it has to be, there has to be like, it's not based off of percentage. It's more based off of like, if I'm not, if I'm making less than $25,000 on a flip, I'm not doing it. Got it. I, I'm just not going to do it. It's too much work. Mm -hmm. uh, there's too many moving parts to it. It's just not worth it. And, uh, you know, as you grow and you, as you do more deals, you realize, um, you know, wholesaling, as I, I, as I flip more houses, I realize wholesaling is like the best thing ever. Uh, honestly, because yeah. um, yes, you make less money per deal, but the, um, the, the amount of hours that it takes to, to do a flip from start to finish if you just add those hours up and took those hours and put them into wholesaling, there's no way in, in the world that you would make less money in wholesaling. You would make way more money because mm -hmm. it's, you know, the hours you have talking back and forth with the contractor, talking back and forth with the bookkeeper, talking back and forth with the realtor, talking back and forth with the 
title company and just you know the uh, the deal falling through because of inspection the appraisers the appraised too low all these things right where you don't have to deal with any of that in wholesaling yeah i mean you're definitely i mean i'm convinced right like that's the reason why we wholesale more than we flip yeah so see that's that's why you're doing better than me <laughs> i wouldn't go that far so all right so you're doing how many projects at a time uh right now we got uh six that just went on the market 23 active flips right now 23 active flips right now so uh for last year uh we're talking about doing five million that's all in 2021 so we own five million worth of real estate on five million worth of real estate yes gotcha okay so how many wholesales how many flips so last year last year um so majority was flips mm -hmm. the majority was flips last year uh year 2021 i would say um about one third wholesale two-thirds flips just to make it easy numbers mm -hmm. and um a lot of the wholesales they came from jvs a lot of them gotcha uh, so that's that's kind of what i target is um that's, I have a meetup uh, that we host that uh, 600 plus people are part of the meetup. Mm -hmm. um, we try to work with wholesalers, walk them through everything from A to Z, try to cherry pick the ones that you see something in them and you know, you can tell they want, they want this and just kind of help them out. Um, and, and just kind of uh, Instagram too. And like, I, I recently started TikTok literally like a couple months ago, it went from like zero followers to like 37,000 followers. Mm -hmm in two months. So I've been able to like get people like, Hey dude, like, can you help me out on this? So that that's been a big help. That's something I've been slacking on. Uh, the first couple of years in business is social media. Um, I'm starting to realize this after I see what you're doing, after I see what Ryan Pineda, Max, all these guys, you know, Max Maxwell, what are doing? I'm just like, and then pace, pace Morby, I'm part of sub two too. So, mm -hmm. um, uh, when he talked about how many deals he could just buy from his Instagram, I'm like, dude, I have to freaking spend a bunch of money to get that many deals. Yep. So definitely need to get in that space. Yeah. All right. So then I guess you're doing 23 in process right now. Like, tell me like, what is it that you've learned to be able to do that many? Cause I mean, some people, you know, don't want to do even 23 flips in a year. You've got 23 going on right now. Yeah. So what are the processes uh, so, involved so to get I, that, to I make say that 23 work? flips, 23 projects, right? 23 projects. There's two builds. There's one that's going to be a development for uh, um, uh, a mobile home park, and the rest are flips. Uh, usually, we've gone up to 30 flips at a time mm -hmm. uh, at some point. We just kind of, it's, it's kind of a constant toxic relationship with contractors. Hire, fire, hire, fire. And so we, ha we have to test them out, and then we constantly go up and then go down and flips. Mm -hmm. because we're having to bump into so many bad contractors. And when you're doing things in volume, you just, there's no way around it. You, we try to go off of word of mouth and like referrals and what people tell us, but we just can't avoid it for some reason. So uh, the biggest thing is don't, uh, what I learned in this process, uh, honestly, is when you, when you hire a contractor to flip a house, never, ever, ever, ever give a down payment in your life. Yeah. I don't care how good they are. I don't care how bad they are. I don't, I don't care how professional they look. Never, ever give a down payment. That's something that uh, we lost, I think like $70,000 last year because of, if I just listened to that sentence right mm -hmm. there, uh, that's one thing I really- What's a down payment? Um, uh, like, uh, like uh, no, what I meant, like, like to, 
give them a deposit. Like, mm-hmm. you know, let's say the project's $50,000. Like they asked for a down payment of 10000 right? Mm-hmm. So like, hey, like to start the project. Or, uh, you know, the project is 30, they asked for, uh, you know, 5000 We've had guys where, um, I don't want to say names, but a contractor came to us, right? He started out a house for us and um, he did very well. He did very well. He gained our trust. We trusted this guy. I mean, he was a master scammer. And then he picked up a couple other houses. And then at some point he reached the three houses at one time for us with his crews. And then he came to us and he's like, man, I got to pay my guys. I got something coming up with my sister. I have to pay for her hospital or something like that. Can I get like a, a deposit or like a, a upfront payment before I start the project? We didn't do that anything like that before but he he already did some flips we didn't want to lose him we wanted to help him out so we just gave him 20 grand on each one and 20 something thousand on each one and he just disappeared so ever since then i changed that i I know he's still in town do you you see him yeah Uh, i i still see him there's we're working on something against him for sure uh because we found like on facebook we had some contractors send us screenshots of how he got 20000 or something like that from another lady and how he scammed this other guy for another money. So he's been doing it for a lot of people. And believe me, Steve, if you met this guy, you would like him. He's so good mm-hmm. at just getting people, like he's a people person. And when you, when you meet somebody like that, like maybe this is going to be my next uh, you know, partner in the next business venture that I start in my next construction company. And that's kind of the relationship we had. Like we trusted him so much, not only me, but my partners as well. So you guys were potentially partnering up with him to start another business as a, as a contractor before he violated that trust. Like that yeah. was in your mind. You were it was in my mind because he was so good at finding cheap labor. Mm-hmm. I was like, what if we partner up with this dude? Right. It was in my head. Like I, we've, it's even, we, we, we even verbally expressed it. Um, so, uh, vocally expressing, <laughs> but, mm-hmm. um, so that wasn't our brain. Cause he could find people that were really cheap. I don't then they were really good at their job. Right. And so we're like, this guy could be like a good ad to, it could be a good addition to our company. Like this guy could help us go to the next level. Cause we were having trouble finding cheap labor, finding people that are affordable, that do stuff at high quality where it sells really easily. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay, so what el- what other things can you do to properly manage contractors? Um, so when you draft up a contract with a contractor, right, uh, you have to, prior to starting the job, you have to point out when, let's say they finish the roof, they get paid this much. They finish the, um, you know, demo, they get paid this much. They put in the windows, they get paid this much. They finish the framing, they get paid this much. N- clearly saying how much they're going to get paid, not based off of a week. Cause some of them want to get paid weekly. Like, Hey dude, I want to get paid every Friday. That doesn't work. Cause if you go there, sit there for a whole week and you don't do anything that just, that doesn't work out. So yeah. based off task, that that's the only way it could be done. That's the only way you could scale this business without losing money is if you truly do it based off task, not based off of the hours that they spend there. Uh, Pace always says this, eat what you kill, eat what you kill. Mm-hmm. So that's, that, 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 that's the kind of mentality we have. So let's pretend I'm a contractor, right? Like I came by you, uh, uh, referral, right? I've uh, never met an Asian contractor before. 
I've seen some in California, but only in California. All right, but let's just pretend. Okay. Right. I'm I'm a contractor. Come highly qualified, highly recommended. You see all my work, but I like Mo. I can't start without something that you got to pay for materials. What oh, do you say? So, oh, we pay for materials. Okay, so then you got to pay. Like I I need some money to get started. Yeah. Tell, yeah what, what are you gonna tell me? Uh, before I even have a conversation, I always kind of lead. Um, as soon as somebody calls me, is like I want to start. I'm like, let me tell you how we work. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you how we do business. There are things that we will never do. They're not negotiable. It will never happen. Just don't even dream about it. We don't give down payments and we don't pay every week. We pay by task. And that usually pushes away a lot of people. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm okay with that. I, I'm okay with it pushing away a lot of people. But it has to be clearly... I. I have to tell them that very clearly in the beginning. That's the only way it will happen. And uh, immediately they say, oh, that won't work for me. And I'm like, okay, thank you. If you change your mind, just reach back out to me. And I've had guys change their mind because it, it does get, contractors are constantly chasing jobs. And it gets to the point sometimes where they're tired of chasing jobs. Mm -hmm. So they're like, oh, if I can get with this guy, he has a bunch of houses. I don't have to ever look for a job again. Right. So they see that value in us. And so we tell them like, dude, we can draft up a contract. You know where my office is. Like, I'm not living at the back of my truck, you know? Like, you know where we're at. Most people in town know where, who we are. So that, when I usually express that, they're okay with it. All right. So you said, here are two non-negotiables. We don't pay up front mm. and we don't pay per week. We pay per uh, milestones. Exactly. And sometimes they get paid multiple times a week. Right. Mm -hmm. that sometimes it works in their favor because if they knock out two things in one week, they get paid twice a week. Yeah. So to me, it doesn't matter how often they get paid. It just matters to me what, how much they get done. Yeah. And I think it's so important too, because like we have contractors, right? That, I mean, I love it when they don't bill me to the end. Right. Yeah. Like, there's some, that's the they, best, have, right? they have, they have to have deep pockets though. Okay. Deep pockets, but they run real businesses. Yeah. Right. I mean, like we just spent 50,000 remodeling this whole place and they still haven't sent me an invoice. Right. They just finished last week. They haven't sent an invoice. Like that's awesome. Right. Yeah. They've been doing this work for, let's see, we started in December. So they're big companies. Three months. Right. Yeah. I love it as, as a consumer. Right. hundred percent. So, um, but I think, you know, there are a lot of contractors that get a bad rep and I kind of think that part of it is I try to explain this to other, other people, right? Like I, I understand you're frustrated with the contractor, right? They're not running this business. They're not, they might be slow. They might be disorganized, but here's the thing. Like most business owners are a mess, right? Wholesalers, flippers, realtors, every industry is a disaster in some capacity. And 80% 80, 80 of every industry, like in every industry, 80% of the people are, are morons, right? 100%. So like, I think like these industries or the contractors get a really bad rap, but how much is it? Because A, they might not be good business owners, but B, we're always trying to find the cheapest. And the cheapest- Is not always the greatest. Is not gonna be the best business owners. Yeah. Right, so I think we kind of set ourselves up for failure as well. So another thing, like if I get a deal, for example, and it's a solid deal and there's enough room to hire somebody that's expensive, I always do that. Mm -hmm. uh, where the deals that are a little bit more tight, we hire somebody, you know, that's cheaper. Because um, it just, when we hire somebody more expensive, it just makes the job way easier for us. We're way more hands off. Um, you know, we don't have to worry about it as much. So the punch list is a little shorter. Yes. And, and, and not only that, there are specific contractors that we use for specific things. Mm -hmm. uh, like if it's a big job, I'm not going to use somebody that 
has been doing it for a couple of years. I want to use somebody that's been doing it for 10 plus years. Yeah. So uh, just kind of clearly figuring out what your contractors are good at, um, that will help you scale for sure. Gotcha. All right. So we're going to jump to the questions here from everyone that's asking. Before we do that, you guys, if you need help with your business, send me a DM on Instagram. Just DM me the word help and you'll be able to talk to someone on my team to see if there's a way that we can help you guys. So um, on Instagram, I'm, I'm going to butcher this, Ajir and the Raven, how did you fund your first deal? How did I fund my first deal? My first deal was a thousand bucks. So, I mean, just so, bought it cash. But probably, second, how did you fund your first flip? My first flip was a uh, 120K purchase. We sold it for 266 after putting 40K into it. Private money, all of it from A to Z. You didn't have any my own money into it. Got it. And then buy or sell with Desiree on Instagram. What is your buy box? My buy box is, that's interesting. I pretty much buy everything as, as long as there's some data showing that I could sell it for a specific amount. Like if, if I can't find comps, nothing's showing me, like I would buy anything and everything, right? But if there's no, nothing that shows me that, hey, like I could sell this house for X amount of dollars, I'm not gonna buy it because there's no physical proof that tells me that, hey, I'm gonna make money on this deal. But, so as long as you have an end number mm -hmm. and you could buy it where you profit, mm -hmm. that's your buy box. Yes, 100%. Simple enough. But this guy would be like a, so is it, is it all of West Texas or? Yeah, I mean, I, I would buy it. Personally, if somebody brought me a deal that could make me money, I would buy anywhere. Because okay. I, 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 uh, I'm savvy enough to figure out who's in the market to partner up with them and just buy together. Well, you're, I mean, Tristan looks like he drove you here. Yeah, Tristan. Yeah. So if Tristan said, hey, I got a deal for 50% of Airbnb in Phoenix. Oh, dude. I would, let's uh, go. I would, first of all, I would hit you up first because <laughs> you're a nice guy. <laughs> but uh, yeah, 100% buy it. Cool. Uh, and then uh, same thing from Desiree is how much of a marketing budget did you implement when you started? Three grand. Per month or yes. just three grand at, per month? Per month. On just on mailers. That's what I started out. It just uh, started out with mailers, then like actual letters, not postcards. And um, the uh, the call rate was a lot lower than postcards, but the leads were coming in were a lot cleaner. They were a lot more serious. For some reason, when I don't know why, but it's just the deals weren't like, hey, take me off your list. Not many of them were like that. Where with postcards, it's like a bunch of them are, take me off your list, you know? Yeah. Uh, so on another question from Desiree is when you're new to wholesaling, where can we find uh, contractors? Um, the best thing to do, and honestly, if I could go back in time and do this, is probably if you have any investors that are already doing real estate, mm -hmm. some of them don't, they're not flipping anything right now and they have somebody in their phone that, so I would call every investor that you know, mm -hmm. if you have some, and ask them about their good contractors. And the nice ones will generally send you a number. Gotcha. And then Sean Baxter, uh, do you keep any of your deals? Yes, some of them. Right now we have uh, one that, uh, you know, multifamily 48 unit under contract that I'm planning to keep. Where at? In Odessa. And how'd you get that deal? Um, I think it was postcards. Yeah, it was postcards. Got it. That was a pretty good deal. Yeah. 
And hey, when he's talking about asking anybody and everybody, he literally was asking me for money before we show, the show started. So he's not <laughs> kidding when he says he's looking for money and the relationships and everything else. And I think that's smart, right? He yeah. absolutely should. Um, who is the best wholesaling mentor that you can recommend? Best wholesaling mentor that I could recommend? Um, definitely Pace Morby. Gotcha. And Steve Train. <laughs> that's a good answer. Um, where is the best mobile home park located? The best mobile home park? Mm -hmm. That's an interesting question. I, I don't know if you feel comfortable answering this, but if you were to buy a whole mobile home park, where would you buy it? I've, um, there's this market. I know a guy that does a lot of mobile home parks in Louisiana. Um, it's an oil town as well. For some reason, I'm all, I always like oil towns. Um, Talk about Chris Rude? Because uh, he's, he's buying a bunch of those because there's a lot of mobile i would say look at the state of louisiana i, I don't know the city's name exactly but it's a french name i remember that gotcha and then uh, how much should newer wholesalers be spending on mentorship in the first year it just depends how much money you have i mean um i i spent a lot of money on mentorships my first year uh i and i, I would still do it again uh you know i think there's a lot of good mentorships out there mm -hmm. um i I don't think you should put a cap on it. I don't think you should spend more than a hundred grand, but if you have the money for it, I mean, usually, you know, you get what you should pay for. If you're joining a mastermind for a hundred thousand dollars a year, then it's, you're definitely going to get value out of it. But, uh, the mentorships that I see out there, they're around 7,500 to 10,000, the ones that I know of. So you mentioned that you've uh, spent a bunch of mentorships. So what have you signed up for? Um, so I, I, I got into a program, um, early on, um, like literally my first month and spent $30,000. It was a type deal where, uh, actually let's talk about the ones that you would invest in again, if you were starting over, uh, like mentorships, mm -hmm. I would definitely invest in sub two yeah. again. If I, if I, if it, it expired, if they called me tomorrow and they're like, Hey, we can't be a part of this. Yeah. I would cry for a little bit, but I would definitely join again. Gotcha. Any other mentorships along the way that if you were brand new, you would sign up for again? Um, dude, I, I heard a lot. I'm not part of your, um, sales program, but, mm -hmm. um, I heard a lot of good things about it. Cause you, I know you implement the Sandler method mm -hmm. in your business. So, uh, because like, I've seen how you do your videos and how, like, um, you set the expectations early on. I'm very big on that. Like when you go to a seller appointment, tell them that they can't say no, right. right? In a nice way. So yeah. you can frame it in a million different ways. You can make it your own, but just pretty much tell them they can't say no. Either they say yes. Or they can't say, think about it. They can say no. Uh, they can't say, no, I can't think about it. Yeah. But uh, they, can't, they can't say, no, I can't think about it. But right. they, they, if they say yes, or even if they say no, they have to tell you why. Like try to figure out a way mm -hmm. what's stopping them, right? Uh, and trying to try to put yourself in your shoes and not to be too salesy and act as a consultant. Mm-hmm. So, um, just because of that, honestly, I would recommend yours. Cause, um, it's once I started doing that, I felt like, cause they would call me and they would tell me, Hey dude, this guy offered me this much. What do you think I should do? And I'm just like, in my head, don't take it, take mine. But, uh, you know, uh, no, I think you could get better. I think you could, you know, and then a lot of times, you know, sometimes we don't even buy those deals. We just advise them cause sometimes they want too much and, mm -hmm. uh, uh, we end up referring it to a realtor or something like that. But yeah, just kind of put yourself as a consultant and just tell them, no, I can't, they can't say, I can't, uh, I want to think about it. Cause right. there's always a reason 
right? Uh, like there's either a number that they want because they want to put it on another house for a down payment. Uh, there's always something like they have like a bill coming up. Uh, they have, they're behind on taxes. Like for the IRS, they want to pay them like a certain amount. There's always something in the back of their head they're thinking about. The whole point of this conversation is to figure out what are they thinking about. And sometimes, you know, some people are more open to telling you what they're thinking about, but you just have to build rapport and like just kind of have a good relationship so that way they can be open with you. Absolutely. Um, so Kenneth Husbands on YouTube, how do I get a hold of you if I have a deal in Detroit? Uh, Mo Flips, M-O-E Flips uh, on Instagram. And Corrine on Instagram, would you rather spend money on a deal as a buyer or pay for mentorship or coaching? Would I rather spend money on a deal as a buyer? Mm -hmm. Would you rather... Spend money on probably a better way to ask this. Would you rather spend money on marketing or spend money on a mentorship? If you were probably if you're newer in the business, um, I, I wouldn't just jump into wholesaling or real estate without reading something. Mm -hmm. Don't like read too much because they're like, just read, get a couple books, uh, watch maybe, you know, like a few couple weeks worth of videos and just jump straight into it. And just when you find something that, challenging just reach out to somebody that's already doing deals and just kind of get partner up and you know sharing the cake like i always say just share the cake you will end up making more money on the long run yeah um you know we're talking about mentorship this is kind of a total tangent right like i got my haircut this morning and the lady <laughs> that cut my hair is uh is a realtor really and we're talking about real estate it's like whatever you know and we're killing time and she's like yeah but now's a terrible time to flip I'm like yes yes it is yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah like why would anyone flip right now it sounds terrible um, Sounds horrible. But the value, right, of having the right mentor, because I was asking her, like, okay, well, like, that's whose team are you on? What brokerage you're at? And I'm hearing these things, like, man, like, it sucks that you work on that guy's team. Did but... you try to recruit her for your brokerage? No, because she's part time. She's cutting hair. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's nothing wrong with like having a side hustle, but yeah. If you have a full time gig, just not qualified to work with us. Yeah. Right. So, um, I guess a follow up question from Green is, what value do students get out of mentorship programs? Um, sales, uh, sales, sales skills. I feel like, you know, it, you can't, there's some things you can't teach. And there's some things you teach. I, I truly believe sales is one of those things that you can teach mm -hmm. as long as somebody's disciplined. Right. Um, it doesn't matter. Like if you come from, I, I thought I would be the worst salesperson in the world. Uh, most people actually around me thought I would be too. Um, but I it come to realize after doing it for a little bit, it's, it's, you can teach anybody how to be sales. So I feel like sales skills is one thing. Um, you know, the legality of things, the contracts and all that, these are things you can Google. They're not that hard to find. You know, you can find a contract, you can find a video, but I feel like the sales skills mm -hmm. is, is definitely a, what I would look for in, in a mentorship. Gotcha. And then Jeff Ramos on YouTube is now still a good time to buy and flip properties in Southern California or LA considering how high the prices are. I'm, I'm, I'm not in that market. Uh, however, I really think there every market you can figure out a way to make money in yeah. Southern California. There's a lot of demand for people buying. So as long as people are buying, I'm sure you can find a good deal out there. You just got to find somebody that would rather have the convenience over the money. And yeah. that's where your goal is going to be. And I have three great friends, you know, in San Diego, in Orange County, in LA and they're murdering it in each of those respective markets, right? Three different people I know in three different markets, they're murdering it. So 
Um, yes, I, I would say that you guys can still keep going. Uh, your IG handle again? Uh, Mo Flips, M-O-E Flips. Uh, so Tristan wants to know who are the key players on your team? So key players, um, I have ma- mainly VAs, right? I, I had so many bad hires, right? I've gone through that, you know. Um, so after doing it for a little bit, realized that I really need to invest a lot of time and training into my VAs because I feel like my VAs, I can trust them. They won't backstab me. They're not here. Like, how are they going to hurt me? You know, like a lot, I'm not, I'm not opposed to hiring people that are local. It just, in my experience, it wasn't that great mm-hmm. uh, because you, there's nothing wrong with creating your own competition. I don't care about competition. I love competition, but it's the time you invest, you hire them and you invest year two, three training them, you know? And then I just, it's, you feel like that, uh, that all that time is wasted. And that, that if you spent that same time doing deals, you would make millions of dollars. Mm -hmm. So I'd rather find, it's going to be tough, right? Finding a good VA with good English. They're very motivated. They will be on time all the time. But I feel like once you find the right one, and that's what I do is, um, I hire VAs and I train them really well. And I spend a lot of time with them. They, they, they can close deals on the phone without being there. I mean, a lot of times, uh, sometimes they put them under contract for too high, mm-hmm. right? Because they're not there. There's some type of surprise there. Project manager will see it, let me know, and then we'll renegotiate. If we can't, then we can just drop it. That's what option period is for. But uh, I feel like you could literally, I feel like anybody, I mean, there's so many different ways to hire VAs because I feel like the most, uh, the, the biggest reason why people don't hire VAs because they don't know how to find VAs. There's so many different websites out there that you can reach, you know, and find VAs. Which one do you like? Um, I've personally hire them. Like I don't deal with a third party. I deal directly with them. Like I, I uh, look up virtualstaff.ph. Um, you know, the, all the websites like that, that you can put up, like it's like Indeed and, and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And you just, um, I'll put up, uh, like if I want to hire a cold caller, I'll be like, uh, you know, telemarketer, real estate, blah, 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 uh, cold caller, real estate, blah, blah, blah. Uh, you know, uh, customer service, real estate, blah, blah, blah. And then I would have so many different, you know, um, people apply and then we would just kind of vet them based off of their experience and just kind of put them all on a zoom, interview all of them at the same time, try to figure out who's going to show. And, and you have to kind of, you can't hire one and it will be a success. You have to hire like five, maybe mm-hmm. one will be good. Yeah. Um, Desiree's follow-up question. What online system are you using to find your deals? So uh, I use a lot, but the biggest one is Batch Leads. Uh, the biggest one is Batch Leads. If you, um, I'm an affiliate with them, so uh, I, I love using Batch Leads. It's just been a game changer for us because uh, you can do so much, so many things in one place. And Green wants to know, how do you build trust with your potential business partners? experiences going through things um like having bad things happen to your properties and just seeing how they react Mm -hmm. just kind of reading body language and um you know when you're put in tough situations just how do you react like do you freak out or do you just calm down and just think about it you know never answer the phone (laughs) uh there you go that that (laughs) one is a big one too like uh, are they are they going are uh are they like constantly going out and not focusing on the business and they're just yeah. spending business money? Like there's some clear ones, but definitely like for me, it's like, are they involved? Are they present? Well, I like that. Cause I think like, you know, I can't remember who said, I think it was Martin Luther King was that, uh, 
you know, it's not like the good times that define us, right? It's like the tough times that reveals our character. 100%. And so like, um, I had this one, I, it just seems like everyone in this particular industry, uh, mortgages, like whenever something goes south, like their mom's in the hospital, it's like, how many times can your mom be in the hospital, right? Exactly, it's, right? It's ridiculous. It's insane. Or like they had COVID. That one is a big one. I have COVID. They've had, had like, like five COVIDs in the past week. Maybe they should probably get uh, vaccinated. Yeah. Uh, so Michael Kennedy, uh, do you market through PPC or Facebook ads? No. And how do we find a reputable title company? Um, I, I've gotten every single one of them from a friend. I have never had to go out and find some, but I know how to find some because um, I tried to do it before in a, like a, in a different market. Uh, but I never worked with them or anything. But for me, it was the easiest way was to Google and just cold call a bunch of them. That's, yeah. that's, and it worked. What's your biggest struggle right now? Biggest struggle? That's a good question. My biggest struggle is probably balancing. What does that mean? Um, like work life with personal life. I feel like that's, that's a big struggle because I don't find this work like real estate as a job. Like I, I would do this every day. Like mm -hmm. I don't, it, I don't see it as a job. Like I love doing this stuff. So, um, there's, I feel like I mixed them up pretty well. Like I, I just, there's no balance. You know, I, I feel like I work more than the average person for sure. Okay. So is that a struggle then? Or are you just like, are, are you comparing yourself to someone else? Or do you feel like there's a problem with I feel you? Like, I feel like it's hard not to compare yourself to somebody else. Of course. Because who's your role model, right? right. Who do you want to be? Like, who, 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 how, who am I going to be in 10 years or 20 years from now? Like, who's that person? Like, and I'm trying to shape myself to be that person. And I'm trying to build myself to be that person slowly. But uh, I want to get to the point where, um, you know, you know, like, uh, you know, it's, 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 I want to have a big company. Like I want to have a billion dollars worth of real estate. Like, how do I get there? I need more people. Uh, my struggle is like, you know, there's so many different things that I struggle with, right? Like, um, stress, for example, at work, I, I feel like I stress out a lot. Uh, you know, there's small things in here happen and it just, it's a bunch of things at once and you just stress out and you're like, I don't want to do this anymore. And I have those days, right? So what do you do to get your mental state back? I, I take a vacation. I just, I'll be like, I'm, I'm, I'm dipping out for a mm -hmm. couple of days. I'll, Hopefully but after the problem's been solved, um, <laughs> not in the middle of it. So like a lot of times uh, the problem is not like, Hey, like you have to solve it right now. Mm -hmm. You know what gotcha. I mean? So like it, I could solve it in like a couple of days. Let me just get out of here and just kind of de-stress, come back and just figure out a way to solve it. Yeah. So uh, a lot of times that's what I do. I just get out of town. And uh, how do you stay motivated? It's hard not to nowadays, man. Um, like there's so many people that I see and I follow. You're one of them. Uh, real estate guys that I see what they're doing. I'm, I'm impressed with what they're doing. I'm like, yeah, I want to reach that point. Um, you know, uh, so for me, it's just strictly following people that I feel like are successful and just kind of watching what they're doing. And a lot of it is free. A lot of it is free. They, a lot of them explain what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And, and, and that's how I stay motivated. It's I just crazy times. I wish I had this when I was growing up. Yeah. Uh, how do you measure success? Happiness. I feel like success and happiness come together. It's not based off of money. 
I, I didn't even get into real estate because of money. I actually got into real estate because I wanted something stable and I wanted to be free. I, I didn't want to have to be homeless. It wasn't for money at all. Like till today, yeah, like we, we love making money. We love money, but it's the business when it first started, it was because of freedom. I just wanted to be free and pay my bills. Uh, here's an interesting question here from uh, Rich Cascio is uh, what, who do you credit for your success? Who do I credit for my success? Um, my parents, for sure. Uh, my my dad and my mom. Like my mom was uh, the she's you know she's a wonderful person, very honest. You know, would never hurt a fly. So I get that from her. My dad is a little bit like he went to the army, so he's he's a he's a very aggressive person. Like um, with business. With, uh, you know, he, when uh, he, he, I grew up like him owning businesses, right? When he walked in, like he, we had, he had a bakery one time and a restaurant right next to it and a commercial property that was just rented out for appliances. And then, uh, when he walks in to the, uh, restaurant and the guys that are working there, if they are not working literally, like they, they would find something to do. They would act like they're working right away. So, um, I feel like I balance both personalities and i'm just kind of right in the middle gotcha what would you consider to be your superpower uh putting a and b together um like um making um like if i feel like i i connect people real well like if somebody came to me sometimes they don't even come to me sometimes they just uh explain something they're like hey dude i don't know what how i'm, how I'm gonna get this happen and i just give them a somebody's phone number and like, I feel like I've always been that person where like, uh, you know, I try to connect A and B and make them succeed together and just kind of be the connector and just put people together and, and just enjoy it. Awesome. Uh, what's the greatest lesson that you've learned? The greatest lesson I've ever learned in business. Uh, certainly for me in business, like the greatest lesson I've ever learned, uh, was there's no such thing as, um, like completely automated delegated. Like, like I feel like a lot of people, they're like, Oh, my business, like, and you see them on Instagram, TikTok, my business, hundred percent automated delegated. Right. I don't have to do anything. Right. There's no such thing. Yeah. I just, there, there's no such thing. So eating yourself up in the background, cause you're constantly working. And you're like, oh, why is my business not 100% automated, delegated? I, I don't think there's a such thing as automated. Deleg Actually, I don't want it to be because I enjoy this stuff. Um, but uh, the biggest lesson I've ever learned is to not compare yourself with people. Just kind of focus. Because I feel like my first few months in business, that's what I did. I constantly like, oh, dude, this guy's this guy's first deal in like a month. And I got my first deal in like four months. And I'm constantly like comparing myself to other people and it doesn't make me happy mm -hmm. where right now it's like, Hey, I know what I'm satisfied with. I know what I, the kind of lifestyle I want. Uh, I want to make this much money so I can live this lifestyle. That's what I do. And taking things really easy, uh, not trying to rush things, uh, growing in business too fast is not always a good thing. Uh, I've had times where we exploded in months and just kind of took over a bunch of properties way more than what we're doing right now and just kind of slowed down a little bit. And that, that time that you take in order to slow down costs you money, costs you a lot of time. So just grow organically and just slow.
Yeah. And then is there a favorite, best, or most interesting failure? Um, like I, I mentioned it a little, uh, just a second ago about the contractor. I feel like it, the way we just restructured how we pay our people is just, it, it, it just kept us safe. Like I've had guys where right now they quit on me. There's no stress. Yeah. I didn't give them a whole bunch of money. I, you don't have to pay someone else to redo the work. Exactly. Like I, I don't have to, I'm not negative into the project. I'm not losing money. So it's like, it's just, it was a, it was a no brainer. Now that I do it right now, I'm like, why the hell did I not? It's such common sense. It is. And we've had, um, April Molina on the show. Talk about it. We've had Danny Crowell on the show. Talk about it. I think you're the third person to mention, like, don't pay your contractors up front. Yeah. <laughs> they will disappear on you. 100%. Uh, what book have you gifted more than any other? Um, I haven't booked a, gifted a lot of books, but I gifted Traction. Got it. What do you like about the Traction book? Um, I've never, ever read a book from first page to last page till today. I've never done it. I've always picked chapters that I felt like, hey, like I need to read this, but the other ones I don't. I've just been a lazy person with that, like with reading books. I never read a book from start to What I liked about it is that... Um, just the, or, uh, like how you can orga organize your corporation. Like mm. you're starting to look at it as like a business, not like, hey dude, like I just wanna make this much money, but you want to be able to leave like a legacy when you, when you leave this world. Like you want to be able, if, you, if I took myself out of the business, I'm easily replaceable with mm -hmm. somebody else. Yeah. yeah, we're gonna be doing a compilation of like the list of like the top books from all the different podcast episodes because we're about 200 episodes in. And traction, I think, is number one. If not one, number one, it's definitely top three. Uh, and then don't feel bad, right? If you don't like read the whole book. So like, um, I wrote, I've written a couple books now. Um, and like, one of the things that was kind of discouraging is like just knowing, like, hey, they're gonna read the book, and what if it sucks, right? But the what I learned was that twenty percent of the people that, or only twenty percent of the people that buy your book will actually read it. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's just crazy. Yeah, it is. And the ones that read it, even then, like only a handful will actually read past they'll read the back cover they'll read the intro and they'll read chapter one and then most of them will fall off after that so yeah. like don't feel bad because that's actually normal maybe you're just the first person to admit it out loud yeah yeah maybe. Uh, <laughs> so uh i'm gonna make a few quick announcements and then i want to leave uh, the listeners with your final thoughts guys if you got value today please like subscribe share comment it really helps us we are trying to reach more people we are genuinely trying to create 100 millionaires the more people we reach, the more we can accomplish our mission, you know? So please help us reach more people. And then we do have our Discord. Like I said, we're gonna be doing a private AMA in the Discord group. So uh, check it out uh, if you guys are interested in that. And then we do have our sales masterclass. Uh, if you guys are interested in our sales masterclass, literally everything we talk about, how we help hundreds of people every single month close a higher percentage of their appointments at deeper margins. If that's something that you think would be valuable to you, check out our sales masterclass. And then next week, we got my good buddy, Tim Bratz, coming on the show. I've been harassing him forever. So he's finally coming out. He's done thousands of doors and apartments. So if you guys are ever thinking about multifamily, Tim Bratz is your guy. All right, so what are some last thoughts you wanna leave everyone with? Um, the biggest thing for me, right, uh, like, I, 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 I swear to God, I remember it like today when I first um, found out about wholesaling and I found out about you. Um, I think I watched a Max Maxwell video and then uh, saw like maybe three years ago he got on your show. Mm -hmm. And uh, 
and then like started watching your videos and how like you ask specific questions. Um, I, I really think like, honestly, I truly believe this, that if somebody were to watch your podcast and they actually take action just based off of the information in the podcast, I really think there's no way that person is not going to be a millionaire. Cause I remember watching your, like when I never had a deal before and it, it was insane because, um, like, dude, these guys are doing so many things. Like, I, I want to be that person one day. Yeah. And I don't want to be uh, on, on Steve Trang's podcast one day. But, yeah, it's 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 crazy, man. It just feels like yesterday, but it hasn't even been a long time ago. But uh, when I first started, I took, uh, you know, like, don't be, af- not to be afraid to put in the extra work. Like, when I was working, uh, you know, two weeks, one week off on the oil field, we were doing 12-hour shifts. But it was like a two-hour drive there, two-hour back, because it's in the middle of the desert. So I kind of took that shift, 12 hour shift. And I was like, this is what I'm going to do in real estate. And I literally dug a hole and put myself in it and became just super antisocial. Didn't communicate with anybody for a couple years. And I was like, all I'm going to do is just work and I'm going to treat it like the oil field. That's how I'm going to treat real estate. And I'm just going to work from the morning till the night. And I'm going to do it every day consistently. And that's the only way you can do it is to grow something you know, to grow something that's meaningful. It just takes time and it takes a lot of hours. So I, uh, that, that's, that's what I wanted to leave everybody with. It's just, honestly, if they, follow, if they follow your podcast, there's no way they're not going to be a millionaire. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. We have actually, you know, one of our uh, people in our mentorship program, Thomas Heil. I don't know if you know him, but he talks about the same thing. Like so many people are trying to do so many different things, but if you just go deep, right? Just like you're talking about in the oil field, right? If you just go deep, just keep drilling, same spot. Have way more success than trying to, have oil fields everywhere. hundred percent. And a lot of guys, like what they try to do, they're like, oh, I want to hold rentals. I want to be a wholesaler. I want to flip. I want to do novation agreements. I want to do sub two. I want to do wraps. I want to do all these things, right? But just pick one, stick to it for just a year or a couple of years, just stick to it and like make it just huge, right? And then just after you've become really, really experienced in that one thing, and then just kind of slowly scale into the other parts. Because it's just, to me, at least, I feel like there's there's probably a, lot, a bunch of other people that are way smarter than me that can do multiple things at once. For me, I have to do one thing at a time mm-hmm. and just focus on that. And for me, that was flipping. Yeah. It was flipping houses. That's awesome. It's a really important message. Uh, if someone wants to get a hold of you, how would they do that? Uh, on Instagram, Mo Flips. All right. So there you go. Thank you. Thank you so much for having Appreciate me. Appreciate it. Thank you guys for watching. Shout out to Steve Train. That was awesome. Jump on the Steve Train. We real estate disruptors.